Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Welcome to the weekend. It is Saturday, and you are here reading your Bible with us. Which is good. Well done. Yep. We're glad that you're here. And and on that note, Bible reading. Okay, so we offer the daily Bible reading plan. And the reason why we do that is because we think it's important for you to be in the Word of God every single day. And there's other things too. It's good to read the Bible with your church family. It's good to be able to talk about the daily Bible reading plan in community group or at youth group or wherever you may be. It's everywhere. Good. Yeah, it's good to have that commonality. Yep. But, uh oh. But, but there's appropriate times in a believer's life where we need, I would say, certainly more than what the daily Bible reading plan offers us. And I'll compare it this way. There's a difference in taking your daily, daily multivitamin, right? Versus the precision of laparoscopic surgery. If you need laparoscopic surgery, which involves, can you say that faster? Laparoscopic surgery. (laughs) Say it three times. I don't know why I grabbed that one. Anyways, if you need the precision of that, you need more than what a multivitamin can do for you. And so sometimes we we take a multivitamin, a multivitamin is good to take. It's kind of the breadth of, hey, you're going to get a bunch of different things that your body needs and it's good for you and you should do this and this is wise. But then when you've got appendicitis, you need the precision, you need targeted. You can take all the multivitamins you want and it's not going to deal with your appendicitis. But you can go to a doctor and the doctor is going to be able to, to, to deal with the problem. The surgeon is going to be able to go in precisely and deal with the problem. Sometimes as believers, whether it be uh, we're walking through a trial or we're battling a sin or we've got conflict in, the, in our marriage, we need precision when it comes to our Bible intake. And so that looks like wielding the sword of the spirit with specific passages and specific verses that right now in the daily Bible reading plan might not be what we're covering and what we're talking about. And so those are times for you to really think about, okay, I need to spend time in first Peter thinking about what it looks like to be uh, in long suffering as a believer and to bear up under trials. I need to spend time in uh, Ephesians in, and think about what it looks like for me to be encouraged with the security that I have in Christ from Ephesians chapter one. I need to spend time in Colossians three to think about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. So don't, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, take your multivitamin, spend the time in the DBR, but also don't limit yourself to that and think, okay, this is going to address everything because there's certain subjects and topics that aren't going to be addressed in the book of numbers as we're walking through it, that God's still giving you the full corpus of his word of, of scripture. And you have access to that and you can pick it up. You can memorize it. You can meditate on these other passages that are going to deal specifically with issues that are facing you in your everyday life. This is probably related a little bit to what we talked about a few podcasts ago about doing a Bible study as opposed to just doing Bible reading. By and large, your daily Bible reading is is just for that. It's reading. You're, You're getting the breadth and the scope of all that scripture teaches, which is going to be super helpful. And in fact, it's best to study the word in light of your reading of the entirety of the word. Uh, You're going to study better because you have contextual clues that will keep you from making some grievous errors in your given study. So as you open up your Bible to do a T-A-N, a then, always, and now, 
um, it's helpful to have in the back of your mind all that we're reading in Numbers and all that we just read in Leviticus and on and on and on it goes. So study your Bible. Don't just take the multi, do the directed and precise study. I mean, even we talk, we didn't even talked about this word studies. We there's, there's word studies are super helpful. Seeing how the word is used all across the scripture, uh, doing different things like that will always be a benefit to your walk and not a detriment, but always as the background, this should always be there. This yep. is always, this should, this should always be there because yep. it's going to be helpful to keep you from making, uh, from making God into your own image versus God being who God is from the scriptures. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and this came to mind just in, in thinking about, uh, biblical counseling, right? I mean, that's, that's biblical counseling is that precision, that laser guided taking of the word of God and, and applying it to specific situations. And, and that's something that we do here as pastors, but that's also something that we can do in our own lives when, when we can take God's word and, and apply it specifically to an area by focusing on the truth that he's communicated to us in those given areas. Sure. So, all right, well, let's jump into numbers 16 and 17 today, since I tried to yesterday and I got slapped back. Yep. You were even breaking my desk. You were so angry about Backhanded. it. Backhanded. It's because you were talking, you were talking nonsense about Mexican food, bro. I haven't forgotten about that, I, by the way. I was just saying, it doesn't. Talking st- nonsense about Mexican my food. my affections for, for Jesus. And that would like be, I'm, that'd be a, a mark about it, that need, but... that, that's something that needs to grow is what I'm saying. It's fine that you feel that I way. I think it does. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there, Pastor PJ. <laughs> it's, you're not okay, and that's not okay. Um, number 16, speaking of a guy that's not okay, here comes Cora. Cora, but not just Cora. Cora, Cora bears the brunt, and rightly so. But we've also got these two other guys, Dathan and Abiram, and, and these guys are not good either. And then this guy, On, who creeps in here, uh, and On kind of doesn't bear as much of a... Of a consequences as these other guys but basically the the gist of this rebellion is this you've got Korah and Dathan and Abiram and on and then 250 men from the people who uh, gather together against Moses and Aaron and their authority and they challenge specifically Aaron's authority and they say who is Aaron that he should have such a, a significant role and why uh, why shouldn't the Lord uh, hear from the rest of us? Why can't the rest of us bring our offerings into the holy place? And, and why can't the rest of us serve in that capacity and have that same access to God? Who is Aaron that he's so special? Well, uh, the Lord sets up this through Moses, uh, this test where in the morning he was going to have all 250 of these men stand up with their censors and they were going to, they were going to test the Lord to say, okay, whose, uh, whose offering are you going to regard? And, uh, and when these men take their censors, which are, are dishes that would have had their incense in them, uh, the men are consumed. God in his wrath destroys all 250 men. But then these others, Korah and Abiram and Datham are, put outside their tents with their family members. And Moses says to everybody around, get away from them because they're about to suffer under the immense judgment of God. Now, just full transparency. I used to wrestle with this thinking, man, their their wives and their kids are taken out with them. And, uh, number one, we don't know how, how old their kids are at this point. Number two, one of the things that hit me this time reading it, their impending judgment is announced the opportunity for repentance and the time for repentance is there. There's an opportunity. Even think about the, the, the name that came to mind is Abigail. You remember Abigail and Nabal. She had a husband named Nabal. His name meant fool and he lived up to his name. 
But you remember what Abigail did when David was incensed and offended by Nabal and David was going to go and execute vengeance on Nabal. Here comes Abigail away from her husband and pleads with, with David and says, please forgive my husband's offense. Please pardon my husband's indiscretion. And Abigail is actually commended for that. And she eventually becomes David's wife after Nabal dies. Um, but so all that to say the, 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 the wives, the other family members of these men, they could have separated themselves from these men and their wicked rebellion against the Lord. And they, they didn't. And so th- that kind of is, is how I was reasoning through some of God's judgment against the entire family units in this passage. PR, your thoughts on it, man. I would say that one of the most profound thoughts about my life that I've ever thought and this is not me just thinking great thoughts. This is about scripture. Scripture puts men in a very unique and privileged position. As you've already no doubt noticed, men are called to lead. Your actions, gentlemen who are listening, have a a disproportionate influence on on the nature of the family. In fact, one of the cool things I think God has given us the privilege of doing is, is leading such that the, those who are weakest and most vulnerable among us flourish. When we don't do that, those who are weakest and most vulnerable among us, they perish and they suffer because of our sin. So uh, what I see here, yes, I do see God's mercy and saying, look, there's there's always an option. I'm gonna tell you that judgment's coming and, and you ought to do something about that. But if, you know, the, the term, I did look up the word for little ones and it's really hard to escape. It's, it's little ones. It, they, they chose that terminology because it conveys the sense of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And, and the, my only consolation is this, is that God is the author of life and he's the determiner of death. There is no, there, this is not a mistake. This was not something that the, the little ones would have had a long and happy life. Otherwise, God holds the cards. He holds the sands of time and he knows when our time is up. Now, granted, hypothetically speaking, if these men were different, if these men had not defied God and Moses, would they have lived? Well, of course they would have and their families would have flourished. But again, this comes back down to the men. The reason their kids died is because the men failed. The men decided to defy God and defy the leadership God has placed in there. And consequently, the people who are most vulnerable and most weak will suffer the greatest because of men's failure to lead as they're supposed to. Yeah. And that's, that's helpful also for us to, to remember as we're getting ready to get into the book of the conquest in, in Joshua, when they enter the promised land, and we're going to see the people of Israel wipe out entire cities and destroy the people that are living in those cities. And, and that's going to include again, women and children are, are going to be wrapped up in the midst of, of that destruction there. And some of the same principles that Pastor I just uh, laid out for us are going to be true there as well as we wrestle with uh, what's going on in those situations. Well, th- these men suffer. And, and it's interesting because Moses really wants the people to understand that this is a God thing that has taken place. So Moses says, look, if, if these men are not guilty for what they've done, then let them die of, of old age. But if they are guilty, then God do something supernatural, open up the ground and swallow them alive. And that's exactly uh, what we find that happens here. Moses is, this is interesting for as many times as, as Moses intercedes on behalf of the people to ask God to spare the people in, in number 16, Moses is angry here. Uh, in fact, in, in verse 15, he even asked God, he says, don't regard, don't have any regard for their offering. Do not respect their offering. I've not taken one donkey from them and I've not harmed one of them. And so it's interesting. Moses's personal, uh, offense at, at this challenge is, is evident here in this chapter as well. Yeah, it's, that is an interesting insight. I don't think I, I noticed that or, or saw that at least the way that you did. And that's, that's really, Oh, man, that is interesting, and I, and I want to go a couple places with that. I wonder if part of this is 
Moses' zeal for God's glory. Now, granted, he didn't do that with Miriam. Uh, he, he, you know, he defended her, went to bat for her. So you're right. There is something there, but I wonder if this was different. His leadership is God's leadership. And that's been the case the whole way through his leadership throughout the, without the wilderness wandering. And I wonder if these guys posed a special threat because it was directed toward his leadership. And there wasn't just a few of them, as in the case of Miriam and Aaron, this was 250 of them and they're, they're represented families. So this is no small coup. This is massive. And Moses sees this as a massive threat to not only his leadership, but to the integrity of the camp. And so he has to act decisively. And it seems like this is the right response because God honors that prayer and he does exactly exactly what he asks. Yeah. And, and right on the heels of this, then the, the 250 men are, are consumed in fire and then they take the, the censers and they, they beat them into a covering for the altar so that everybody would be reminded every time they went to the, to offer sacrifices of this rebellion and what happened uh, because of the disobedience of the people. Right. And that was a reminder that was going to be needed because look at verse 41 on the next day, all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron saying, you've killed the people of the Lord. Like, you're next, people. You can't line be up. serious. Line up. Come over here. We're going to pray again. Come on. Oh, <laughs> Get over man. here. I, like, honestly, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, what more do you need to see from God to say, okay, like Job, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth and I'm going to shut up and trust you. Yeah. Yep. That, 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 nope. Not, not, not understanding. Yeah. <laughs> not getting it. And so in response, God sends this plague and... Uh, Moses says to Aaron, take your censer, go and offer so that the, the plague can be uh, put to an end or, or, or satisfied. And, and yet 15,000 people die in response to this defiant rebellion here, just from the people questioning the leadership of the Lord right on the heels of this event. And then uh, then we get to Numbers chapter 17. And, and chapter 17 is, is, a, is really there to reemphasize who is God's chosen uh, representative, chosen priest. And so Aaron's staff is taken as well as the staffs of these other men. And God says, put it in, in, uh, put it away. And, and the staff that, that buds, the staff that flowers will be the indicative of the one that I've chosen And Aaron's staff, not only flowers, but produces fruit, produces almonds, um, overnight. And that's, uh, that's evidence of a, of a God thing, one taking place that again, gives Aaron his stamp of approval and says, this is the one Listen to him, follow him. He's the representative for you to come before me. So Pastor PJ, of course, one of the things that we're all thinking here is if we ever have a disagreement with you, we're not going to bring it up because you're going to consume us with fire. Is that the takeaway? <laughs> help us to make some, help us to jump to the New Testament for us today. Clearly, you are not the prophet of God, neither am I. And we don't have the same kind of delegated authority that Moses and Aaron possessed. Right. So what's the parallel for us? What are some of the applications that you can see in the text for us today? Right. Yeah, you have, you really have a, a, a choice when it comes to your shepherd as far as who it is you're going to entrust you, you and your family to as far as what a benefit spiritual that is oversight. Too. Yeah. Like you get to choose your pastor. Right. That's amazing. Right. Israel didn't have that option. There wasn't first Baptist Israel down the street that they could go to or anything else like that. <laughs> first Methodist of Israel. Right. Yeah. That, that didn't happen. You're right. What a great, what a great point. What a yeah. blessing that is that you, I mean, you have a ton of options. They're, they're not all equal options right. to be sure, but there's options. Right. What a great point. Right. So if, if you found a, a church and we pray that our church is the church that you found and you trust our leadership as pastors, then it's, it's really, you know, a, a couple things. Let me give you a couple points. Number one, understand that Pastor Rod and I are both fallible. 100%. And we're going to make mistakes. And there may, may be times where we have to stand up and say, you know what? On second thought, let me reconsider what I just said on this. I don't think that was the right interpretation or right glance of that passage. I mean, we, we study and we study hard, but that doesn't mean that we're receiving the word from the Lord the same way Aaron 
was receiving the word from the Lord or Moses was receiving the word for the Lord. So there, right. there's a difference there on that. Number two, though, there's a respect that's due your pastors. Um, the New Testament is clear on you know submission to your your pastors and, and following your pastor's leadership, as well as when you do feel like there is an offense that a pastor has has perpetrated, uh, that uh, this needs to be established by more than than one person. In fact, Paul says to Timothy, "Let no charge be brought against an elder except by two or three witnesses." Um, and there are situations where the, the elder needs to be confronted, the elder needs to be challenged, the elder needs to be even disciplined, but there are, are specific guidelines for that even in the New Testament as well. So um, I think the main difference, though, like we said, is, is you have the ability to say, yeah, we're going to choose to submit ourselves to this pastoral leadership, and, and we think this is a good place for us to be. Yeah, in today's day and age, there's so many stories about people that have suffered abuse under the hand of harsh shepherds. Yeah, there, there's podcasts that detail uh, and, and too, too much detail, honestly, they detail things that are being said behind closed doors and there's secrets that are being revealed now. Um, do, does that change anything about the way that a pastor leads or about the way that a congregation follows her leadership? In other words, uh, does the fact that in today's age, we are largely anti-authority and we are largely anti-pastoral authority that is strong. How, how does a pastor lead well in light of that? And how does a congregant follow well in light of those realities? I, I I think it's that the pastor's free to lead well if he's leading the way that God has called him to lead. If he's leading with integrity and he's doing the job that a pastor's supposed to do, if he's me- measuring up to the the First Peter five, shepherd the flock of God that's among you with humility and, and not exercising oversight under with a heavy hand and not com- under compulsion but willingly and you know all of these different descriptors. Our ultimate standard of accountability is is God. At the end of the day, it's not whether or not the culture likes the way that that a pastor pastors it's it's is he pastoring the way that god wants him to pastor and wants him to shepherd and so that's our ultimate standard we can do that we can do that with freedom and and you know as as far as what was the second part of that question how people submit how can to people that? follow well i mean yeah. g- given the fact that maybe some people are afraid to say certain things or afraid to, to provide feedback or they're afraid i mean maybe maybe they should be they're afraid to write you an email or send a call whatever People are afraid. They, if someone wants to follow well, though, and they want to say, I want to submit to leadership well, I want to serve leadership well, what would a good follower look like? I think it starts with the the Berean model, which is holding us accountable to God's word and making sure that what you hear on a Sunday morning from the pulpit is truly taught in the scriptures and not you know, my flavor of the week that I want to bring to you guys and my hobby horse that I want to preach to you instead and, and that it lines up with the, the truth of God's word. When it when and if it doesn't, and if if that's your conclusion, well, I'm not so sure on that one. I think just coming to the pastors with with humility and believing the best about the pastor rather than jumping to a conclusion to say, hey, you idiot, why didn't you get this one right? Um, Sorry about that. I just thought you you had to hear it in a harsh way. No, but is, is, is really super helpful. I appreciate when people come to me and say, hey, pastor, when you said this, I struggled to understand this. Or when you said this, can you help me follow your line of reasoning here? Because I, I, I'm not sure I was super clear on where you were coming from on that. That There's a teachability there that that for me doesn't put me, and not that I should be right away, but it doesn't put me on the defensive uh, you know, from the word go and, and helps us have a conversation. And at the end of the day, they may say, okay, I'm still not so sure I see it 100%, but I at least understand your reasoning on that. I can appreciate that. Right. Um, so I, 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 does that answer the question? Yeah, I, I would only add to that. Hebrews chapter 13, this is probably something you already heard. Hebrews 13 verses 17 and 18. Um, Here's what it says. 
obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls. You've heard Pastor PJ quote this before as those who will have to give an account. Uh, so the first thing I would say, if you're going to be a good follower is follow, mm. <laughs> you know, we ask you guys to read the Bible with us. Um, and I guess you could call it an ask and it really is an ask, but we're, we're basically saying as your pastors, read the Bible with us, do it, do it, listen to the podcast. We want to help you. We want to help you grow. And this is not right. self-serving. This is not about building our platform. This is about building you, right? building you up in Christ. So obey your leaders and submit to them, follow their leadership. It continues here. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. It doesn't help you at all. Pastor PJ and I are in bad moods because uh, of the grumbling that Israelites were doing. We don't want to have to deal with that. But at the same time, we do want to hear from you. We love right. you. We care about you. We want to be able to meet your needs. And verse 18 says this, pray for us, yes. pray for us. Yes. For we are sure, uh, f- rather, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. And I could say that for myself. I'm sure Pastor PJ can say that. But man, pray for us. If you want to follow well, do follow the leadership and pray for us. Yeah. We'll ask the Lord to bless our leadership and to help us make wise decisions as we seek to honor and serve you. And, uh, and that would be enormously helpful. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's super encouraging, super helpful. And uh, I'm sure Moses and Aaron would have appreciated reading Hebrews. <laughs> Written for them. Yeah. All right, y'all, we'll keep reading your Bibles, speaking of that, and uh, tune in tomorrow while we continue our study of the book of Numbers. Yeehaw! Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.